Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter. This is the show that allows you to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. The show is recorded live and on Zoom and features two regular hosts, comedian Sajila Kershey and me, Julian Hall. And each week we have two guests. For this edition, which was our debut edition, we had comedian and commentator Constantin Kissin and author and broadcaster Viv Groskop. It was a fantastic way to start our series of shows and we got very deep into big tech and the power of big tech companies. And we also covered the idea of a COVID Christmas, which was a hot topic at the time because the guidance around it was very much in limbo and people were really not clear about what they should be doing. We really hope you enjoy the show. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LKTZoom for more updates and information. The stories that you had, everyone's been talking about today that I've spoken to people on the radio and also... Oh, was, um, that, it's, it's... was that the Pogues? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I could start, I could, yeah, I could start with the Pogues. Let's, uh, let us do that now. And I'll dip into my magic box of virtual backgrounds and try and find the right one. Uh, oh, so, so smooth. That was Viv's tweets. You know what? I'm going to, I'm actually, no, no, I was going to start. No, I will start with the pokes. Because okay. here it is, lo and behold. Um, so Andrew Doyle, uh, comedian Andrew Doyle, also the creator of um, Titania McGrath, some of you will know, tweeted yesterday, the annual debate over fairy tale of New York has become a Christmas tradition like advent calendars or sustained alcohol abuse. I can't wait for another rehash of the baby it's cold outside controversy due any day now, he says, moving his head. So this, <laughs> this is all stemmed from uh, Radio One, uh, not banning the song, but playing a version um, that replaces the lyric of uh, you, uh, was it you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap lousy faggot has now been changed to you scumbag, you maggot, you're tired and you're haggard, something like that, um, yeah. which is it's Andrew's point. I totally understand it. So we seem to be having this, um, we seem to be having this debate a lot now. This is at least the second Christmas that I can remember um, it being had. And uh, <laughs> being heckled by Viv there very, very successfully. I shall not, I shall not look. Um, so, you know, basically this is now, not only do we have to listen to the same Christmas songs every year, we're now gonna to listen to the same uh, arguments about Christmas songs every year as well. And it's just like, that is, oh, it's, that's a bit on the loop. That's enough to make me think maybe the, the whole COVID Christmas thing being and being canceled isn't such a bad thing after all. But obviously this being a kind of uh, woke versus non-woke debate, uh, a kind of free speech debate, it kind of then went a bit crazy. And you had, uh, well, you had Lawrence Fox, uh, popped up basically saying the same thing here we go again why can't we use the original version to which to which the pogues uh the pogues response is above my head uh fuck off you little heron boke shite uh was their was their response so they uh they made it plain how they felt but a few other people waded in on this as well and got very creative which i liked including comedian Gronya mcguire who suggested alternative lyric being you scumbag you maggot let's let's watch some blue planet um and then obviously you can just riff on from there um something like you scumbag you maggot your cakes taste like granite um anything i don't you can put some suggestions in the chat actually yeah i think we should, Any... we should get a prize for the best one <laughs> and we'll send it and a tweet to the pogues well, yeah, they, um, I didn't realise that Pogues, only Shane McGowan was Irish. I had no idea about that. And uh, he also wasn't very happy about Fairy Tale of New York being kept off the number one spot by the Pet Shop Boys. Um, and yeah, said something fairly unkind about the Pet Shop Boys, actually. So, so there you go. That's my first tweet. Fairy okay. Tale, fairy did, tale did, of New York. Did you did you see the uh, was it not we did mention the Lawrence Fox was it Lawrence Fox yeah he waved yeah, yeah 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 because I love that that was my favourite bit of it all was just like you know fuck off <laughs> I don't care what you think about the pose um so that's that's uh, brilliant I, I I do love that and like I said everyone oh no we've got a late entry from Viv 
you scumbag, you maggot, your fave TV show is Taggart. Oh, nice, Ooh. nice, Viv, nice. I think that has got to win. I, I'm liking that. That's really cool. Controversial. Um, all right. <laughs> That's good. So, do you want to? Do you want to? Shall we do a back and forth? I think we we'll do a yes, back and forth. Shall we? Okay. So let me um let me find mine. Uh, obviously, the power of technology, which I'm not good for. Let's go. Let's where is it? Where is it? Oh, yes. Right. So. You know, like they say, don't ever meet your heroes. Is it showing? Yes, it is. Yeah. Loud and clear. They say don't don't meet don't don't like ever come across your heroes. So I've been a fan of Kirsty Alley. I know I know it's sad, but I love Cheers, and only because somebody said I looked a bit like her when I was younger, and I thought, oh yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah, all right, I love her, and but I did like her in in Cheers, and then and I think there was a program North and South. Um, there was a big sort of serialization on TV, and I was like, yeah, yeah, look, she's you know she's she's a kick-ass fierce woman and then she had all the problems of the weight and that really resonated with me and I'm like yeah this is my woman right this is this is my girl and then I find a tweet on on Twitter I don't know if you can see it but basically um she's just slagged someone off so I saw I saw she's I'm following her and she says Cheryl you ignorant slut you follow me not vice versa and I'm like, this must be someone else. It can't be my wonderful, lovely Kirsty Alley, kick-ass kids. Why would she slag off another woman? And then I read down, and, and apparently it's Cheryl, you know, the, the slut, slutty Cheryl. I thought, yeah, slutty Cheryl, ask for it. Ask for it, slutty Cheryl. And actually, slutty Cheryl was not to Cheryl. Slutty, slutty. She said, Kirsty, go away. Trump lost in a landslide. And then I follow this down. And I thought, I'm horrified to find not only is Kirsty Alley got a potty mouth on Twitter. But worst of all, she's a bloody Trump follower. I was devastated. I think I haven't been that devastated on Twitter since I found out that um, uh, uh, Ricky Martin was gay. You know, I was really, I, I really fancied him. I went to his concert and everything. And he, you know, he's saying she bangs, she bangs and, you know, skin of color mocker. Hello, I'm so his type. Turns out I wasn't, so I was devastated. So I'm, I'm just a bit traumatized. I'm in, in this place where I think, can you follow people that you don't agree with? Because let's face it, all of us do simply because we want to hear their tweets. We follow Trump. And I'm, I'm actually, I don't, I'm hoping he's going to carry on tweeting once he's, you know, finally gotten rid of. Okay. And so I'm going to continue following. Should we, should I follow Kirsty Alley after she's called, you know, someone else a slut who, and, and she votes for, and yeah, up, have thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up yeah. if I should still follow her. But even though she supports Trump and she's called poor Cheryl a slut. <laughs> Who went for Cheryl is? Clearly oh. not a Trump fan, though. Oh, okay. All right. I was, I'm going to have to unfollow her. Viv, Viv, yeah, Viv's got two hands up and, and the farmers are don't, not liking it. Adam's keeping quiet about it. Peter Dennis is probably just laughing behind the screen somewhere. So, yeah, that's my that's my first um, tweet. So I'm just well, a just bit to say about Kirstie Alley, it just, it's just funny that she sort of turned out to be a little bit like her character, Rebecca in Cheers, who... You know, I still fancy her. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But you know, it, it's like never meet your heroes or never meet your heroes on Twitter. I've never, never meet your heroes on Twitter. Twitter makes you sort of like the idea of a hero now is sort of totally debased by Twitter because it's like stick around for five minutes and this person that you really admire is going to say something you completely disagree with. It's a great leveler like that. It is. It is. But it's also uh, an indication of. You know, you can have friends and, uh, you know, associates who, who think very differently to you and you can still connect, uh, which is obviously why, you know, this this Richard and Judy fellowship got together. And of course, with the guests that we're inviting, um, because I think it's important if you just keep following people that think like you. Um, so, yeah, screw you. I'm following Kirsty Alley. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to be staying huge my to Trump. <laughs> Uh, so your, your next one. Yeah, my next one is Dom Cummings. So let me uh, choose my virtual background. Let's have a look. Dun, dun, dun. Where are we? Where are we, Tom Newton Dunn? Well, I'll find a way. If this was in order, wouldn't it be so slick? I think the fact that it's not in order just makes it so much funnier. Um, dun, dun, dun. They're not laughing. No, well, they're on mute. They're on mute. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll never know. This is the beauty of this bit. Maybe we should unmute them all. Uh, Cummings reading list. Thank you. Okay, so uh, Cummings, this is Tom Newton Dunn. He used to be the Sun's political editor. He's now um, on the Times radio team. 
Um, he tweeted a couple of days ago at the tail end of the Cummings Farago, um, a Cummings proscript. Spads say that Dom ordered them all to buy two improvement books. One was Andrew Gove's high output uh, management and the other was Philip Tetlock's super forecasting. Uh, he'd get them all to um, buy them and read them and actually test them on the contents. Uh, but he said that now a lot of the uh, uh, civil servants have put them on eBay. So I was obviously quite intrigued by uh, Dominic Cummings reading material and I wanted to find out a little bit more about what these books entailed. And I don't think you can find out the, the true heart of a book, I think is uh, basically the one star reviews on Amazon. So <laughs> on high output management by Andrew Gove, which you can get as a 15 minute audio book, by the way, for anyone who wants to kind of <coughs> do it quickly. Um, apart from lots of comments about how poor the quality of the paper and the binding were, very important. Um, that one guy said, I bought this because having read Philip Tetlock's Super Forecasting twice, I was curious as to why Cummings regard this, regards this as an essential reading for his weirdos and misfits. Basically, it's about boiling an egg, an egg from the process engineer's perspective. If Cummings and his misfits can't boil an egg, then how are they going to do the big stuff? The UK is in trouble. So pretty damning there. Possibly my favorite review is, crap book, this is, this is so basic, it T stupid. That's two spelled T-I. <laughs> so brilliant insight. And then super forecasting by Philip Tetlow um, comes with a bit of a health warning on from Wikipedia that says that the Economist reports that super forecasters clever with a good mental attitude, but not necessarily geniuses. I want my money back. <laughs> not necessarily geniuses. Come on. This isn't good enough. And a couple of witty uh, one-star Amazon reviews about Philip Teclot's super forecasting. I can only read a few pages at a time before the book crashes on my can Kindle. I wish I could have seen that coming. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> You can um, remember that one. <laughs> um, and not in need of this book. It doesn't help me in predicting sports results. So good fun. I had a good fun thanks to Dominic Cummings' reading list. Like I'll never actually read any of the books he's recommended, but you know, I've had some, I've got some material out of them. Yeah, no, that's great. But I'm I'm just a bit still a bit like I'm still a bit um on Cummings is that image of him coming out of, you know. <laughs> leaving oh, with, with his box it was so you know it, um what was the bankers when they all lived the coming coming out of his box yeah yeah uh, it's just ridiculous it's just such a stupid image and but you you didn't you catch a tweet this week where one of the journalists had been um fired uh from from a something she'd said or written about did you send me that tweet was it someone else um, okay moving swiftly on because <laughs> <laughs> that was obviously happening somewhere else uh, so I'm going to go to tweet number two, and I think I'm going to choose a quick uh, virtual background. I'm only just learning all this technology now, you know, I don't know how to. And I've got a clue. What does it look like on the things? I'll just check my phone. Does it look like? It's Sam Bright. So Sam Bright, is that you? Mm, no. Mm, yes, there we go. Okay, so I caught a tweet um, from uh, Sam Bright. Uh, 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 writes Bright, at Writes Bright, with a W. Uh, he, and he, um, correct me if I'm wrong, did he work at the Home Office? Yes. He did. He did. Yeah. yeah, he did. So he, his tweet says, not to alarm anyone, but I'm, not, I'm looking for the Home Office credit card data and it appears that someone spent £3,442 in Primark. How the hell can you spend that much in Primark? Guys, we all know a tenner could buy you half the shop, right? Top retail work, uh, I'm saying, top retail work. Um, and then he I says- I can't believe it's all in one go, surely not. I know, and I was thinking, who's who spent this money? We don't know, we can't, but if it was in one go, um, I'd like to imagine Pretty Patel is probably buying clothes for the immigrants that she wants to deport. I don't know, I, I, by the way, she's in the, do we know yet? Did that come out today? Is she is she leaving? He was supposed uh, to come out uh, earlier on. Have I missed, have yeah, I missed no, the news? No, no, I was working. Um, yeah, in addition to the Primark expenditure, um, they've also spent uh, £712 at Homebase, 
£504 at Halford, 619 at Heatbusters, whatever the fuck that is, and £559 at Screwfix. <laughs> and it's like, so maybe something, so he says, goes on to say, maybe she's building a rudimentary vessel that she's going to use to sail into the channel and shout at asylum seekers. So um, I, I want to know how much the most you've ever spent. And Dasha Zangrija, you, you, he's a comedian, says, did they buy Primark or does the, does the home office now actually own it? Which I thought was a really funny tweet and he's a comedian as well. Um, but yeah, can you put in the box or tell us how, what is the most you've ever spent in Primark? And I know that you're classy lot. I know the farmers will, won't even know what Primark is. <laughs> Not in their post house, no. You don't know what Primark is, do you? I can tell. Uh, what is the most you've ever spent? Um, okay, so that's my quick sort of short, sweet one because uh, we want to get our guests on. Uh, and, yeah, and I'll take it over to, to Julian now. I have, yeah, this is pretty short and sweet as well. The only dun, dun, dun. here we go. Uh, where are we, Harry? Where are we, Dawn? There we go. Dawn Neeson's tweet. Right. So Dawn Neeson of the Daily Star. Um, tweeted about the whole, uh, she said, slightly confused that Carrie Simmons is nicknamed Princess Nut Nuts, given that's the very thing Boris Johnson needs to grow a pair of. So nice line, but also gets us into the whole Princess Nut Nuts um, thing. And I, you know, I kind of, the way I feel about that is that she is, I, I kind of like the idea that she is sort of whispering sweet nothings, but also some sage advice, not pardon the pun sage, but, uh, to, to Boris Johnson, because why not? I mean, if, if she doesn't like Dominic Cummings and Lee Kang, then that puts her sort of firmly in the camp of quite a few people, I think, in the country. Um, so I was, you know, I was quite impressed by that. Um, and I loved, there was a big piece in the Times by Tim Shipman, I think it was, about the sort of intrigue. And it was so, you know, the twists and turns on that, well worth, it's well worth reading that. And Robert Peston waded in as well with a nice, uh, a nice little addition because I so I immediately thought of Carrie the movie and Robert Peston dug out Carrie. If only they knew she had the power. An old movie poster, nice little riposte there from Robert. Top stuff, Robert. Much much better than listening to Robert sound a little bit like Lloyd Grossman. So there you go. That's my tweets. <laughs> I think you've got one. You've got one more, haven't you? I have. So I'm going to let me just uh, get get it up. Um, okay. So uh, you can read the, the little replies in the in the box from from the others. Uh, Karen's got something about Dragons Dev, Devil Dale. Uh, yeah, well, I can't multitask. You're going to have to look at the box <laughs> while I get the. Hang on. Yeah, if you check out the box, uh, the the what people have written in there, and I can then put into my next tweet. Yes, that's right. Sorry, Top. dragons then level stuff. We salute you. Thanks, Viv. Yeah, like, absolutely. Okay, uh, so, um, so my last tw tweet really that caught my eye um, for various reasons because it was the Sainsbury's. Did you see the same scandal? Uh, Amnesty staff, you might have seen it on the on our thing about uh, uh, people getting into uproar about a black family being depicted in the Christmas advert. And then Tesco, uh, so it's Nadine White, uh, she's a Huffington Post journalist. Uh, 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 it's Nadine underscore rights with a W. So she's tweeted, um, Tesco has been accused of removing a black couple scene from its advert to avoid backlash. This comes after the Sainsbury's Christmas advert funeral and model and actress Vanessa uh, Vanderpie, who took part, uh, who took to IG stories to express disappointment about being cut from the production. Now, um, the thing is, it's 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 an interesting one because obviously, initially, I went straight into that's outrageous. How dare they? How dare they try and diminish us? And and you know, what are these like supermarkets, Sainsbury's and Tesco's are dreaming of a white Christmas? Is that what's going on? And then uh, when I had a discussion with um, Julian, it, and it turns out, and actually. Um, if you want, if you're in, you know, do you do the acting, Viv and, and Constantine? Do you do acting? No? Right. So, um, okay. If there's any other actors out there, of course, you do go for castings and you don't get them. And then you do end up in the cutting room floor. So sometimes you've, you know, taken part in something and you don't. So there is that side. However, the fact that people were getting upset because there was a black family at Christmas um, really outraged me. I've got nothing funny on this. I just had a bit of a rant about it. This really was really angry. <laughs> Um, and what do we feel? Do we are we are we threatened about Christmas? If we see, I mean, the funniest part of this was seeing um, 
a, a, someone tweet underneath all of this is like, well, you know, I'm more outraged that they had a carrot family depicting Christmas, you know, uh, uh, and, and what about the carrots? Um, and that was probably the funniest thing I saw on that. Um, and I've got nothing on that apart from outrage that uh, we should have more representation. How do you feel about that, Constantine? Do you have an opinion on that? You can speak. Yeah, I can now that I've unmuted myself. Hello, everybody. Yes, yes. Hello. <laughs> How are you? This is Constantine, by the way. I Hi. We should have bring them in, really, because it just looks like, you know, it's all about us, and we'll just let them do two minutes each, tight, tight two minutes. <laughs> Sounds good to me. It is all about you. You too, you too. So, so you, you were asking me about something about Christmas. Yeah, I mean, do, do, do you think that there should be an ideal Christmas that, that should be depicted in, in, you know, in these adverts? Is there an ideal Christmas that we should have an ideal family? Because obviously over the years you've had children, you've had, you know, cartoons um, kind of advertising these stores. Yeah, well, uh, uh, my birthday is on Christmas Day, so if it if it gets cancelled this year, I'm going to be happy because everyone else is going to be as miserable as me. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. What about you, Viv? What are we? Oh my God, Hello, I can speak. <laughs> oh my God, I can't. I've not been on mute for that long in ever. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm it's so okay. sorry. No, I was trying to respect the etiquette. <laughs> and I just like, I just, I love it. I love it. It's all right, it's all about you now. It's fine. Love seeing into people's houses. I know, isn't it great? Don't you just love the farmer's house? I'm obsessed with Mr. Lucy Farmer. I, I think, I think the farmers have the best Christmas. I want, I want that Christmas. I want your Look Christmas farmer. He matches his trousers to the curtains. And Carol's got a really dashing fan as well. Love nice it. fan above her. I'm also obsessed if people, I don't know if people can see everything. I'm on gallery and I can see everybody. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm in love with Pete Dennis. He's so <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> he only shows us still of his face. He's, 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 my, he's my sound man. He's frozen. Oh, okay. he's oh, he's, now he's shown he's, us a greater. And he does, if, actually, if you want anything done for your shows, oh my God, he's, he's, he does soundscape. He's a genius, absolute genius. His and he does great cooking. I love it. I've just put in the chat a link to this uh, great comedian, Fergus Craig. Oh, yeah. Um, if people look him up, um, Katie Brand shared this earlier. And he's done a hilarious, like, 60 second spoof of that Sainsbury's row that you were mentioning. So oh, you, wow, I've got to catch that. Where he says, um, um, I'm not going to accept any of these adverts until they're fully representative of the British population. You need to take a family with 100 people in it. 84 <laughs> of those people must be white, seven must be black, three must be Asian, and one must be 1% gypsy. And I will not rest until this is done. <laughs> um, it's, it's very sweet and brilliant. I really recommend Oh, yeah, that. well, there's the, there's okay. great, thank God for the comedians still putting out content out there. Um, uh, and uh, actually, because obviously, we've, we have you done your your tweets or have you finished all yours uh, yeah yeah we're, yeah, we're, we're done with ours so we, we want to get real. into yours maybe we should just do one next time um and then you let the guest speak and we should introduce you sooner. Yeah, we're, learning, we're learning as we go can we just say so i think we're going to get you in sooner so i'm itching itching i tell you to find out um your tweets so uh eeny meeny miny moe and we, we, can, we can, can we introduce the fabulousness that is yes of course right, of course commentator writer comedian constantine kissing um, known for writing to the Telegraph, the Spectator, and Colette, but also for his very fabulous show Trigonometry on YouTube with Francis Foster, and the equally fabulous Viv Groskop, writer, critic, broadcaster, comedian, lover, fighter, whatever, uh, author of How to Own the Room: Women and the Art of Public Speaking, uh, and Au revoir Tristesse: Lessons in Happiness from French Literature, it's and Russophile, Russophile as well. Yes, well, you didn't put, it's not on your mini biog, what's going yeah. on? But there is a Russian connection. We actually did a gig yeah. once and we spoke uh, Russian most of it because I'm from Russia. So yeah, yeah many strings true. to her bow. Yeah, we've we really, met each other. You've met I, each other I really believe that the entire comedy circuit should be conducted entirely in Russian. You know, seeing as Yevgeny Lebedev in the House of Lords and half of people living in London are Russian, we might as well embrace it. Yeah, play that circuit. Hey, I'm going to play with my spotlight. I've been dying to do this for like, you know, this is my Zoom skill. I've spotlighted us. 
Fantastic. I, I actually love Constantine's background, by the way. Um, what, what's behind you? Trigger, something's triggering you. What, oh, trigonometry, trigonometry. It's the thing, show. Right? I'm, I'm on it. set at the oh, studio, you so. You are a pro, sir. You are a pro getting yourself uh, advertising out there. Um, so yeah, we, are we, are we going to get to find out what these guys are tweeting or what, what they've been loving this is week? There, is there anything you wanted to say about any of the tweets we selected? Any, any burning comments? Oh no, Sift put them all in the chat. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was something, but I don't remember it now. It wasn't the Pogues by any chance, was it? No, no, no. I mean, I mean, Lawrence is a friend of mine, but I, I'm happy to stay away from it. <laughs> well, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't You, really you know, this is the thing with Twitter, Julian, is that it just, I don't know, this will only make sense to people who've seen Game of Thrones, but there's a scene in Game of Thrones where uh, they're talking about sending people to war and uh, this character called Jorah Mormont says, uh, inside every man there's a beast and uh, it stirs when you put a sword in his hand. And I sort of feel like Twitter's a little bit like that sword. Do you know what I mean? It's like brings out the worst in everybody. Um, and if you knew Lawrence as a person, he's not like his Twitter persona, which I suspect is true of most of us, actually. We're not the idiots and annoying people that we come across as uh, on Twitter usually. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of arguments that are happening now that would never be happening if it wasn't for the fact that we're all stuck at home. There is a lot of president that wouldn't be happening if it weren't for Twitter. So a lot of president. A lot of president, a, a big yeah. president who doesn't want to not be president. So Twitter's got a lot to answer for, and it that will always be the case. Like I think we will look back on this time and think, how did we unleash that beast that unleashed that beast? Mm. It's well, going to be really raised... interesting to see what happens once you, you know, Trump is going to have to go. And then he is going to lose a lot of his Twitter protections that are granted by being um, a public elected leader. Um, and to see how he's going to cope with that is going to be really interesting because I think he's going to... Well, he's not coping with anything really very well at the moment, is he? <laughs> <laughs> President Cartman. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Well, that I mean, yeah, that leads quite neatly because, Constantine, I think you've picked up one of the, the tweets of the moment, really, but... Um, which is the uh, the Trump Biden video? Trump. Yeah, uh, I think I don't. Uh, we need Are you to, able to pull it up? Well, I'm, I need to try and do a share. Who's we're all co-hosts here, so if anyone's better at sharing stuff, Let, is this the thing of no, playing the it, music? That's it right. says yeah. If it's disabled for me, Julian, so when I tried to share, it says host disabled attendee screen sharing. We should definitely. Oh, I've made you. Uh, I've made you a co-host. That. Oh no! Yeah, yes, that's the one. Uh, but let me see if I can share it. It's definitely. I mean, actually, we could probably just go the whole. Can you see that now? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Can oh, just don't have the sound. It's <laughs> better when I do it on my phone. That's brilliant. What what happened to the sound? Oh no! I mean, I'm digging the grooves. I'm I'm like totally with the beat, but can you hear it now? <laughs> worth not. We can't hear it. You can't hear it. No. Ah, uh, okay. I uh, don't know how. So what are we supposed to be hearing, though? Uh, it's very, very funny if you listen to the music. Hang on, I'm going to put it on. Hang on. Go on, Viv. Uh, you do your... Yeah, Viv, how about you do it? Oh, here we go. Okay. Just need them to move again. Is it Arabic imagine, music? Imagine, imagine that with with the actual dancing and you know it's like incredible choreography go to the right here we go oh harriet you should have been a consultant on this show go to the little arrow beside the mic you can change your advanced audio settings enable background noise hang on da, 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 da. i think she was talking to me to me i possibly i don't know no you want to check out the cat advanced the cat. sharing options um, but whilst just doing that, I just want to say that I think Constantine really raised an interesting point there, how uh, your persona on social media is very different to the person that you are. I expected you, Constantine, if I'm honest, to be a lot more growly, but you're ever so soft and sweet and you've got a face of a baby. But, you know, from what... It's like, only because I shaved today. If I, let the, if I let the stubble grow out, I don't look like a baby at all. Uh, yeah. But Julian should have told you I'm a nice guy. Julian, you've not no, been doing your job. I, 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 I said, 
I mean, I know that there's a dichotomy between your Twitter persona and, um, and you know, who you are. And actually, I cannot get it out of my head. There was a production of The Secret Agent years ago that I saw, and um, it's not, obviously not known to be a play, but they'd adapted it. And one of the characters it has this sort of vibrant line, and it goes, you are a provoking agent. And I was like, well, that's constant. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, so you on Twitter. I guess, uh, yeah, maybe uh, there's feels there's things that I feel strongly about, and I suppose if you constantly tweet about the things that you care, people then assume that those that is your persona, and you only care about that, and you know you don't have a family, and you don't have pets, and there isn't anyone you love, and you just feel strongly about this thing that you think feel strongly about, and that is the entirety of your life. So I think social media is very, uh, very disruptive in that way, as it creates these sort of. Uh, perceptions of us uh, but equally I do like to wind people up I really genuinely do well you know you've got you've got the gift I mean certainly certainly when it comes to trigonometry with you and Francis I know that's when you sit back and you let the guest do the talking but um, you know that that's a completely different it's a completely different side of you isn't it really yeah, well, it's weird. I really enjoy doing that and, and doing interviews now. I haven't been on stage as a comedian, obviously, due to lockdown since March, really. And it's weird. I don't really miss it that much, which is very strange to say. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, lockdown has been kind of weird in that I've found something else. And doing interviews with interesting people, I, I, I'm starting to enjoy it more than anything else I've ever done. It's yeah, become I'm, phenomenally um, uh, uh, successful, your show, because even today at work, um, I mentioned this, and uh, of course, none of the fuckers turned up, did they? <laughs> but yeah, I'm just looking around, are they here? Um, and, and, I, and they said, oh, you've got Constantine on. And I said, yeah. And I said, I thought that might be like entice them to come along. And they said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got the show, Trigamondra. And it's obviously very popular. And I, I mean, would you say that it's kind of for a younger crowd or have you got a diverse audience because obviously you must connect with your own audience yeah we uh whenever we've done live events we've always been surprised at how mixed it is in terms of everything not just you know skin color and whatever but age uh, where people are from we have i think probably quite a few uh people from around the country so not we're not as london centric as most shows would be mm. we have a lot of people from up north because one of the reasons i think we we were quite popular is we were two remainers who made a point of talking to a lot of guests who were in favor of Brexit early on in the, in the history of the show. So those sort of red wall seats that went from uh, Labour to Tory at the last election because of Brexit, those are the sort of people who were following us because they sort of appreciated the honest curiosity that we had trying to understand why people made a decision that we disagreed with. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's, I must admit, I, I can pay testimony to the fact I've been in Edinburgh with Constantine. I looked after the show in was it 2018. It must have been, yeah. Yeah, it must, yeah. Uh, yeah well, I think it was. And, yeah. uh, you know, people coming up to Constantine and, and, and sort of congratulating. I mean, initially, obviously, when they came up to me, I thought, oh, they know me through my PR work, but hey, not really. It's because <laughs> <laughs> they'd seen Constantine on, on trigonometry, and it was that was pretty impressive, I have to say. And I, I would. You know, I wish I could watch it more than I do. But you guys, I mean, you, how often is it twice or three times a week? Well, that, that was the thing that happened in March. So because of lockdown and we yeah. essentially both Francis and I stand up comedians, we lost everything we were doing. So we were like, well, why don't we just put all our energy in, into the show? So we went from putting out one interview and doing one live stream a week where we chat about the stories sort of like we're doing now. Um, to doing two interviews a week and four live streams. So we're essentially putting something out every day except Monday. Uh, and we're actually working on something to put out on Mondays as well now. So more of a comedy <laughs> type thing. So yeah, it's, it's been one of those things that's given us a kick up the ass because I think it's quite possible that if it wasn't for lockdown, we would have let it drag on for years and years without ever going full time mm -hmm. with it. Uh, yeah. But this kind of forced us to do it. So, in, I, and I am someone who's extremely critical of, well, I supported the first lockdown, second lockdown, very critical of, but I can't recognize, not recognize that it's been really helpful uh, for us. It's been great for me as well, you know, spending time with my wife and whatever, which I'd neglected for, for years, you know, traveling around the country late at night performing and, you know. Yeah, I love the fact about lockdown, suddenly people discovered, oh, look, we've got kids. And a yeah, partner. yeah, and I'm married, still, somehow, yeah. 
exactly. You look so been, young. I've so been good. married for 18 years, so not all that young. Wow, what? that's incredible. Yeah. I just thought you were one of those new kind of skinny jean wearing, you know, fetuses. <laughs> <laughs> You're so young. No, Straight you're out of the womb, young. wearing jeans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It, 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 I mean, it is. It is phenomenally. You know, I think you've created something really special, um, and you've obviously tapped into a market that you know loves it. And you've got. Would you like to put a figure on how many followers you kind of? Like we have about. We have about two hundred thousand subscribers in total, and we we'll probably get about two to three million uh, downloads uh, a month. So yeah, it's, it's doing all right. Wow. I've got 20 Instagram followers, all right? <laughs> I have even fewer. I don't use Instagram yeah. for obvious 21 reasons. 21 people like our page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. here. So beat that buster, huh? Well, elite you know, club, elite club. When um, we started think... the show, it, just one on that very point, it took us three months to get 100 subscribers. Three months. Julian. So it, it just takes time. Pay dues. Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got a pair of G's, but we, we love every, cherish every person that's here. I want to keep them. I want to keep them for the next one. But listen, I think we should move on to well, Finn, yeah, who let's, has let's, been... Yeah. Finn's got the Christmas tweet. I thought we'd do that next, but can, um, what are you up to at the moment? Because you've got uh, a Zoom thing going on. Yeah, well, I have the good fortune of having a whole thing going on with How to Own the Room. I wrote a book called How to Own the Room and I have a podcast called How to Own the Room, which is all about digging into performance and presence and confidence and all of that stuff, because I'm obsessed with all of that. Like, because I moved from journalism to stand up and I had to kind of study for myself really quickly like what's the difference between a good gig and a bad gig and how come that worked and that didn't work but it looked exactly the same to me I've always been like obsessed with that and so on the podcast I discussed with loads of different people from like Hillary Clinton to Nigella Lawson to Mary Portas, Catherine Tate, loads of people and people from behind the scenes as well like people um, who are um, doing sure, stuff. Sure Catherine Tate technology. wasn't just playing all of them. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, no, she was. Yeah, she was. She's she's done all seventy guests. Um, yeah, so um, that was really great. And then yeah, lockdown comes, and suddenly we were we did all of our podcasting face to face. And I was really against doing anything like in this kind of setting in the beginning. Like I think we all were. You know, everybody who does live work is just like, oh, this is second best. This is rubbish. I mean, it's, it's really great to see people coming to stuff like this and accepting it and kind of embracing it and like letting us see into their homes and seeing their beautiful chartreuse curtains. Um, but yeah, in the beginning it was it was tough. And so then I suddenly thought, oh, my God, I'm going to have to do how to in the Zoom. And initially I was like, oh God, no, I don't want to do that because I don't want to encourage people to use this technology. And then I realized that actually, no, it's it's taking on a life of its own. And I think even when all of this goes away, we will be way more dependent on it than we were before the pandemic. You know, people are going to use it as an excuse to not travel, to not pay for people to go to meetings and stuff. So yeah, I've been having quite a lot of fun with how to own the Zoom actually. It's been really sweet. And I've just been doing this week the... Chortle uh, Comedy Book Festival, oh, yes. Yes. Um, which was that was really fun, and a lot of that was on Zoom, and people would be unmuted, and you could hear them laughing, and it was kind. Of, I feel tragic saying this, but it was kind of like being at a gig, you know. It was really lovely. So yeah, I've you know personally, I've been up and down. You know, I've I found it really hard to not be in front of live audiences, and I have these really weird dreams about performing and about well, like all of my Edinburgh shows have been in my dreams and I really really miss it but um I've become a massive Covid cliche and I've started doing wild swimming I go swimming in the Thames I'm gonna die of vile disease and <laughs> the Thames is contaminated um, but yeah I am that I am yeah that, that would be ironic during a global pandemic yeah, exactly but yeah so I'm doing all the Covid cliches making the banana bread and all of that bullshit well, it's interesting you mentioned live gigs because we have got um, a bit of an audience here from my club, from the Comedy Cottage, and I have to tell you, hey guys, yeah, I, 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 they are so, you've played it, haven't you, Viv, and you yeah. know how gorgeous they are, aren't they, they're the best audience, I just love them so yeah, much and I miss them. Yeah, that's so lovely, well that's a massive part of, of gigs, is the regulars who make mm. those gigs happen, yeah, and I've seen in lots of different settings people coming to support and recognizing that we all need to find our feet on these new media and kind of being there and cheering us on and it's just really lovely to see 
I was just going to add. Actually, when they're easy on the eye, like the cheese man. Yeah, like there you go, Pete. Got compliment. Pete was just seeking some attention. Then he mm. said the sound man is the best, and actually he is. He creates the atmosphere. Would you agree, the farmers? Isn't Pete? Isn't it Pete the grace founded man? Farmers, yes, the thumbs oh, up there. They're all you up here. Your spell, <laughs> to show their appreciation during the Q and A. Yeah, <laughs> but I think we should get your first. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, your, your first tweet. Oh, do you want to do my, my first yeah, tweet? Yeah, yeah, totally. Have you um, got one? Yeah, I've got it. I haven't got it lined up to, I mean, there's no way I can show it on the screen. I'm not that kind of. Oh, I can, I can do it. I can do it. Can you do it? Have you got the. Uh, um, is it going to be going to do the Christmas one? Or which one do you want to do first? What do you want to do Tom, Pe Tom Peck's tweet? Yeah, yeah, hang on. Yeah. Uh, uh, worst. I've called it worst, obviously. This is a really, I, what I love. So this is. Tom Peck, he's a journalist and he just tweeted this really sweet, I, I love this kind of wordplay on Twitter. I was kind of fascinated by the idea that, you know, your concept is let's kill Twitter. But I feel like in reality, you are secretly love it and you're celebrating it. And I, yeah. I try to choose things that kind of reflect why I still stay there and I kind of secretly love it. And I find it really sweet when people have a bit of wordplay. So he says, friend from Germany says the supermarkets are clean out of sausage cheese and chocolate toffee chews. This was to be expected in the reasonable worst case scenario. And I was like, yay, big up the Germans. <laughs> Is it as funny as my forehead? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> There's a joke about worst in case scenario. It was and very I, well. Yeah, I love it when people have some like sort of really cheesy geek, geeky joke that actually doesn't really go viral. That's that's my favorite thing. I'm not really interested in the things which get like 60,000 likes because they don't need my attention. But re reasonable worst case scenario come on it was very well put together i have to say um it, it's it, i'm glad you mentioned that because um the whole thing about let's kill twitter it, it is meant to be dead bird aside it is meant to be double-edged in the sense of like the comedian sense of let's kill twitter as in you know let's get stuck into this gig and slam it slam dunk it obviously erring slightly on the other side but there is there's definitely a love it i mean i i totally love it I mean, this, I have to kind of, I've resigned myself to that fact now that I'm, 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 in, I'm in it now. There's Pete no Dennis, Pete I, Dennis I, says, I who know. doesn't love a sausage? You know, he's flirting, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, doesn't love a bit of sausage. Um, but no, I think um, uh, I'm agreement with you about tweets that are silly, that get your eye sometimes a bit more than the, I'm not, you know, I've never got a thousand likes. I've never got done anything that's got that many likes. I don't know that many followers, to be honest, and I'm hardly ever on there. I don't know why I'm on this show, really. I should just be kicked off. You should just just kick me out, Gillian. It's too early, it's yes. too early for the band to split up, I think. But anyway. It's too early for the band to split up. I'm just going to go solo, just like Robbie did. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, but no, I, I, I love that you picked that one. I, I, and obviously Pete did, Peter Dennis as well. All my tweets are complaints to Persian media. And they're still utter shite. I <laughs> know <laughs> um, we'll have a special, we'll have a special. Do you have a Virgin Media Twitter? Because I think everybody can relate to that. It's such we'll bastards. A consumer special. Constantine, yeah. what's your next tweet? My next tweet was uh, also a joke. It was the one about um, the Scouser with a genie and a lamp. Ah, uh, okay, I've got it. If you, there we are. Where are we? Where are we? See, this is what jokes need. They need the kind of, uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm just going to move out of the way so everyone can read it. Yep. <laughs> we you go. read that right. <laughs> oh, the technology. I just should really just blank me out, really. But, um, right. You okay. could just read it out. I was waiting for you to read it out. Oh, you're waiting for me to read it out. I, I still can. Away. I think everyone's read it now, though. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, it made me laugh, that one. I, I find it very funny. Uh, I, I like jokes on Twitter, particularly that are sort of observing some kind of reality that I hadn't recognized before um, and point out something about what's going on. So I really like, I, I really like this one. Yeah, it was quite well. It was uh, nicely, again, quite nicely put together. And uh, let's stay with you for your next one. Let's vary up. Let's vary up a bit. 
Are we going to go serious now and provoke provocative? I feel like you've brought me on to, to annoy people. Uh, I, you, you, it's completely. They were my free. tweets. I know. I know. I know. I'm very disappointed that you're not annoying. Okay. Well, uh, being, let's being let's so sweet and lovely. Let's see if we let's that. see Come if we can't do yeah. something about that, shall we, Sajila? Uh, <laughs> the, there was a tweet from uh, my uh, someone I know called Alex Kashuta about uh, International Men's Day yesterday. Oh yeah, we're going to disagree on this one. <laughs> Uh, so the United Nations now, Julian, you're actually going to have to read it for us because I can't yeah. read the United Nations no, tweet. Is, which... Yeah, unfortunately, that is a little stretchy. So, um, so Alex uh, Kashuta has commented on. So the original tweet is from the United Nations. Happy International Men's Day to all the male allies around the world who support women, defy gender, defy gender roles, fight gender-based violence, and stand up for equality. UN Women invites everyone everywhere to support generation equality unwomen.org slash en uh, and alex has written men's day women most affected yeah so it's it's a bit of an inter oh uh, just not nearly knocked my laptop but it's a bit of a sort of internet meme about uh, women most affected now i'm not one of these people who's like massively obsessed about men's equality or whatever people talk about it but i do find it interesting that even on men's day uh, that sort of thing does get brought up that and and sort of everyone tries to make it about them uh, and I thought her reply was very funny. Anyone, anyone wish adding, adding to that? Well, that is, you know, I think if you're going to mention that, you can't not mention Richard Herring. You know, Richard Herring's made a career out of this whole Men's Day meme. And I think he's written a book, a book about it, actually. Um, and Believe he, it or not, I don't even know what you're talking about. Tell me. <laughs> Are you serious? You're not serious? Yeah, I am serious. What, you don't know about Richard Herring and his International Men's Day thing? Uh, I have heard something about it, but I, I've never paid any okay, attention so to it. Every international, is it, uh, Julian, you'll know more than me about this. Every International Men's Day, whenever it is, yeah. he, he does something. <laughs> no, hang on, it's every, every International Women's Day. <laughs> it, oh, every International Women's Day. Ah, okay. out loads and loads of tweets saying, but when will there be an International right. Men's Day? Right, right, oh, right. It's been ironic, yeah. Yeah, Day. yeah. And he kind of collects all of the tweets that people write about this, and he is just trying to puncture that balloon of, like, who really cares? Like, bottom line is, a lot of women think International Women's Day is bollocks. I mean, they're not going to, like, be against it because, like, it's just harmless. It's just, you know, let's support women's rights. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, so I find it I find it irritating when people get genuinely angry about this because mm. I don't I think everybody is on the same page apart do from you? people who want to be really really angry. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but I do like International Women's Day and Women's Week because I get lots of gigs that week. That, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. It is. You know, suddenly fun. suddenly they remember that I'm around and then it's like oh she's a babe and oh oh we've got loads yeah. of books oh disability oh. Oh, we're, we're ticking all the books. I mean, they can feel really good for the rest of the year. So all the promoters out there, just book me that international. That's it. You've done your bit for charity, really. You've done it. You've done your bit for women's rights, you know, for, for, for diversity, for disability. You've done it. Done it. Covered. It's like that Shappy Corsandy joke. I am the box ticker. <laughs> uh, who's who's next? Uh, Viv, I think. Yeah. yeah. So is it X-Tina? The next one. Oh no, that's my like one. Hang on. Uh, work out your Tory special advisor name. Oh yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, again, this is like a slightly lame joke that would not get fifty million likes, but I just kind of liked it. Uh, oh. This is from a guy called. Oh, do you want to do a different one, Guy Walter? No, I don't. I want to get the right one first. <laughs> oh, here we go. Worst case of scenario. Yeah, work out your Tory special advisor name by taking your first name your father's surname and your friend's job at number 10. I mean, it's just like, you know, a nice little bit of cozy needling and that I've really enjoyed, um, well, being outraged really, not genuinely enjoyed, enjoyed being outraged <laughs> by all the stories that have come out this week about the PPE and how all of the contracts went uh, through mm. this special channel. If, if you phone up the uh, number 10 and you give the code word and say you know i donated 50p to the tory party in 1983 then you get the hotline and you go through and you get to uh, get you know get a 123 million pound contract for ppe despite the fact that you've 
never worked in PPE. I mean, I just find, I mean, I think that is, there's been a lot of smoke screens since then with the defense budget, uh, all the stuff today about Pretty Patel, all very conveniently timed. That's all stuff that's going to blow over. But the PPE stuff is absolutely shocking. We bought stuff at a thousand times more than it cost on the normal market. And they went to PPE, they went to people who had no uh, record in the PPE industry whatsoever. Mm. And they ignored hundreds of companies whose job has been for decades to provide PPE. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's and unbelievable. Even, even worse than that, there was a story in The Guardian today about the fact that quite a lot of the PPE that we ordered for our hospitals were made by North Korean forced laborers in China. Oh my God. Like just it's, like, it's just wherever you look at any aspect of it, it just gets worse and worse. It's, it's incredible. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, just on the funny <laughs> side, Pete, Pete just said he wants to go for a PPP. Yeah. <laughs> I was laughing at the PPE situation, but I wasn't really. I was laughing at Pete Dennis. But that's what I'm saying. PPE, there's Pete yes, Dennis. Know, is like no, no. Funny, funny, yeah. funny but I also think that it's What's going on between you and him, Pete and Beef? What's happening? Like, he's not even showing himself. He's, no, he's, uh, Pete was having a bit of a thing with Karen at some point in the chat. And I like, know, and then he just, I've been, he's a player, player, Zoom player. Yeah. It sets an interesting precedent in terms of job hunting. It's like, but you've got no relevant experience. It's like, yeah, what about that guy? But hey. But maybe, it? maybe, no, maybe these guys, you know, the government's friends, they were, they were Fatima. They had just retrained to make PPP equipment, you know, in a pandemic. They yeah. were just they thinking outside it, the box, like Too Fatima right. has to, to they were, do. They were all right? former, former ballet dancers. That's, That's right. right. found a new and vacation. Yeah, and now they're making, you know, they, they're making, they're doing something with their lives, not moaning that there's no more gigs, you know, like Fatima is. I love it. Moany bitch, yeah. Oh, you all know what I'm talking about, don't you, Fatima, the, the, the advert they had with the ballerina, which, which always so really pissed me off, because it's like she would have had to struggle as an Asian woman, and it's a Muslim name, to have actually got into ballet, and now that she's been told, time. Yeah, you know that time. That wasn't her real name, and it wasn't um, even a photo that they'd cleared. It was a photo from a dance school in Canada that they just found on the internet, and they didn't even seek permission for the use of the Oh, photo. my God, and they used a filter like I did, because I'm not even Asian. I just use a filter on, on Zoom <laughs> to tick Julian's boxes. It was for, um, <laughs> the campaign the previous, the previous year, though, wasn't it? I mean, the campaign wasn't... Yeah, easy. yeah, the campaign was old, and they repurposed yeah. it, but they didn't even have the, a cleared use for the photograph. Wow. And this was uh, you picked out a reply to the uh, the spad as well, which is this. Oh one. yeah, what did Stefan? Oh yeah, reply. Remo oh yeah, so this is again. This is what I like about these kind of quite cute, gentle. That for me, it's like a nice way of connecting with people. Twitter, it still can be. Uh, and Stefan Stern replies uh, about this. Uh, Tory special advisor name reminds me a bit of the alleged Oxbridge interview question for royals. What subject do you want to study, and is your mother the queen? <laughs> oh, oh, my neck! My neck's killing me from this. There's got to be a better way. <laughs> oh dear! Right. Um, okay. So, where does that, Constantine? I'm down to my last one. This one is not funny at all, uh, but it is a very interesting thing. Uh, it's the one thing that I always talk about, um, which is censorship of online content. Uh, and I've been trying to, if I can convince the however many of us there are, 11 of you, that this is important, that will be uh, a, a good result. Because you, as we fight over who's president, who's prime minister, which party is in charge, which party is not in charge, actually, the problem that we're going to face in the future is the fact that four companies in the world, Google, which owns YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Facebook owns Instagram, but the, there's one or two others. They control all the information that we have uh, in society, essentially, nowadays, particularly during lockdown. And that means they're essentially deciding what is and isn't true. So this is a tweet in reference to an interview with Dr. Michael Yeadon, who is a contemporary of Sir Patrick Vallance. 
Um, Amazon, Harriet points out Amazon, exactly. Uh, he's a contemporary of Sir Patrick Valance. They worked at Pfizer together and he was the head of respiratory research at Pfizer. And he is very critical of the lockdowns that have happened in this country and many of the things the government have done. And that interview was deleted by YouTube, not for the first time. We've had videos of ours on trigonometry where we've interviewed prominent lockdown critics as well, taken down or, or shadow banned or whatever. And my point with this tweet is that the big tech companies now essentially control the whole flow of information. And if that continues to happen, 10 years from now, it's not going to matter who the president is. It's, just, it's not going to matter whether it's Trump or Biden because they're going to be in charge of everything. So um, that is something that you will hopefully not have to remember a few years from now as being right. But that is something that worries me a lot. And I just thought since it was something that happened today, it was worth bringing up. And, you know, in terms of this, in terms of this, you know, what you see is the censorship. Do you feel this is happening in a particular direction? You know, I mean, it's... Well, it is right now. So, for example, if you remember at the beginning, right, the World Health Organization said uh, that YouTube should delete any content that does not comply with World Health Organization recommendations, which the World Health Organization then reversed. They initially said lockdowns were the right thing to do. They've since come out and said, actually, we shouldn't have done a lockdown. We shouldn't do it again. Uh, but YouTube was busy deleting those things in the first place, right? So my point is, my point isn't even necessarily about who's right or wrong. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know whether a lockdown is the right thing or not. My point is, YouTube shouldn't be deciding what is and isn't true. That isn't their job. Biff, do you want to make the point that you just made in chat? Yes, I didn't want. I made the point in chat because I thought I might forget it. Good note. Yeah, it's a really good point. Santine's right about everything. He's completely right about all of this, and we've all seen it happen over the last ten years. The only thing that's going to stop it is regulation. And if anybody's watched the Social Dilemma on Netflix, it explains it brilliantly, and it's a documentary that is full of escapees from Silicon Valley who in yeah invented yeah. all of the algorithms that are basically designed to hold us hostage you know they yeah. they designed it like a slot machine and you can't you can't um escape from it you know you're you're addicted to it and it's designed that way um but the point that that documentary makes really brilliantly is that there's only really one person who's controlling the information and that is you you know, and we all have to take responsibility for this and say, I'm switching it off. I'm going to use like freedom, you know, the a thing that switches off the internet when you're trying to work, or I'm going to, you know, turn off my Facebook. Uh, all of that stuff is is down to all of us. And mm. I mean, it's depressing that nobody's taking responsibility for it. And I do think like in the next few years, hopefully there will be some sort of regulation and there will be this groundswell. And a lot of people have been Sorry, I was going to say, can you envisage what that that yeah. regulation well, might look like? We talk about this often. One form of interesting regulation is making people pay tax. Yeah, and that's one of the things that they really go into in this in the social dilemma is yeah. basically there are no fiscal incentives for these companies mm. to be more responsible, and that would be at the le at least a start. Make mm. Amazon pay tax. Make Google pay the right tax. Uh, and then they might be incentivized just slightly, just a very small, small idea. Um, yeah, it's it's depressing. Control your diet. Well, I'm I'm glad I've brought that up so everybody can enjoy their Friday night. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you will enjoy your Friday night if you watch the Social Dilemma. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I must see that. I saw him on um, Bill Maher on Real Time, which I love. I love Bill Maher so much. Mm. Uh, and it was a great interview. I mean, they're always too short. There's always much more that could be said, but I totally need to see that. Um, well, actually, before we lighten things up, Viv, you've actually got two uh, tweets left, and one of them is on a fairly uh, kind of... Uh, oh, here we go. Pretty, pretty, uh, night. I don't even have to move my head for this one. Yeah, I just like this. Christmas Day is boring as fuck and not worth dying for. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's my personal opinion. I, I'm fed up of having an opinion as to whether we should be in lockdown or not. My opinion affects nothing anyway. <laughs> so I think we all need to get a little bit used to just going with the flow on all of this. But I'm not, I don't um, hate Christmas. I'm not, not, I am no Scrooge. Um, but I do think that 
we should just do whatever is kind of sensible and stop freaking out about this whole kind of oh my god it'll be so terrible if our families cannot be joined together at this precious <laughs> time you know we'll get over it like we'll have a really great easter i mean so i liked the you know boring af yeah it can be so uh, and i love this hashtag as well i i didn't know about this hashtag hashtag no nuance november say what you think I only trendy. in November, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this COVID Christmas thing is is pretty tricky, though. I mean, there's a lot of people. I basically get all my news from Jeremy Vine's Channel Five show. Sorry. But, um, <laughs> I mean, anyway, Talking about your, picking your, your diet, Julian. Julian. My what? Your blood pressure. Blood pressure. It's not that bad. It's only when um, uh, Mike what's it mops it's on it that it's be uh, so bad. But uh, the rest of them are pretty calm. But, and, the, and the dichotomy there is all the panellists are very much like, you know, we've got to, we've just got to make a sacrifice of these five days. We don't want to lock down in January. We want to just, you know, see the back of this. And then all the callers are like, well, you know, I really want to see my relatives. Da, 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 da. It's, you know, it's tricky. I, I mean, I don't know whether anyone's got a, a particular, like, definite opinion of can, in the summer, people going back to see their sort of kin and probably not feeling as self-conscious about this, but there's no getting away from it now. We've had a month of lockdown, we're, we're still in a month of lockdown, and then we might be going back to tier two, whatever. So it's a bit of a different ball game. Well, you know. th this is my prediction. We are living under a gov government who are more afraid of being unpopular yep. than of death statistics. Absolutely. And what's worse is what the, the calculation they've made, because the government, according to their own projections, that actually lockdown will kill more people than it saves. But they, the, the lockdown deaths won't be attributed to them, whereas the COVID deaths will be. So they, they'd happily reduce COVID deaths as the expense of killing loads of people later from missed cancer diagnosis and whatever. Uh, but I, I, the only point I would make, I, I agree with you, the only thing I would say is your experience of lockdown depends entirely on your subjective circumstances. If you live in a large house in a comfortable area with parks around you and family next to you and whatever, that's completely different to someone cooped up with living with someone they don't like or someone who's abusive or whatever. So how people react to, to lockdown is, is very personal. And some people are very fortunate and some people are extremely unfortunate. Mm. Uh, and so I, I, I think I'm always hesitant, which is unusual for me, uh, to make sort of hard and fast judgments about this thing because everybody's different. And I've seen people going absolutely crazy because some people have been stuck indoors for eight months, you know, uh, they literally have not left their house for eight months because they're shielding or whatever. So, yeah, you have to have a little bit of understanding of different circumstances. I have to say that when lockdown started, <laughs> I noticed no tangible... Sorry, we're laughing at no me. <laughs> Peter Dennis, do they? <laughs> Peter Dennis is working with, worked in the, at, at the comedy cottage for over 14 years, and he's actually become funnier than the comedians now. Um, like doing all the sound. That's very funny. Do they ever, do they ever work with that? <laughs> Comedy gold from Peter Dennis from Viv there, definitely. Mm. Um, thanks, thanks for entertaining us, Pete. Um, no, all, 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 um, all, I don't know, what are you going to be doing for Christmas? That's actually that was a question I wanted to ask. Yeah. Uh, Julie, I know we talked very briefly. Do you want to tell us what, what, what you might be I'm doing? doing. <laughs> might be doing, yeah. What, I don't what? know. I mean, I, you know, my, my family want me to go home, but I have this sort of like trying to explain to my mother what a virus is. She's had eight months to learn, but you know. <laughs> So I don't know, you know, I just, uh, but I'm interested to know whether other people will actually think they can, I mean, I, the way I live, I'm so, I live on my own, I work from home, and actually when lockdown came, I was like, I don't really notice, so it's like, wow, the government have mandated my lifestyle, this is mm. amazing, I knew I was right, but, so I mean, you know, I consider myself as quite low, you know, I'm quite a low risk, but I still don't feel very comfortable about doing it, but mm. that's, that's my mm. What about you, Viv? I'm going. Family? I'm going to be having Christmas with Pete at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> and your cheese, Pete and his cheese. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got he's got the cheese in already. That's what I really like about him. There's quite a lot. Yeah, I, I mean that's start. <laughs> no, Pete's totally up for it. He's. I think he looks up for it with that emoji. It's he definitely cool. does. What is that emoji? We can't look at what that emoji is. Could you, could you translate, please, Pete, what the emoji he's, is? He's saying, let's watch Morecambe and Wise on Christmas Day together. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Zorro, isn't it? It's a Zorro Zoom. 
because you can't really see him as kind of the masked Zoro, it is me, Zoro. Oh, actually, that's a terrible for two people who were Russian descent to do that terrible accent. No, we we are in our it's house. Hate crime. We are gripped <laughs> by the whole thing of like, are we going to be able to have anybody round? You know, all of that. Right. Okay. Yeah. You can't, there's, no, there's no point in speculating about it now because it could. But go what about in your household? Yeah, have you got like all your family in your household? I've got. Um, I have three children, and unfortunately, they have to stay in my household. Um, and my husband, uh, an extremely aggressive cat. I think this has been most difficult for the cat because he's like, why don't you fuckers ever go anywhere? This was my house and you're just trust, always Trust here. a cat to see it from the other side. I mean, I love cats, but yeah. trust a cat to see it from the other side. no one's discussed pets, how it's affected pets, lockdown. Dogs yeah. love it, cats hate it. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm liking that. <laughs> It's true. It's, there's, there's been psychological research on this. I've read it in the Guardian. <laughs> oh well, it must be true. That's fine. Must be true. <laughs> similarly, Constantine. Obviously, is there, is there anyone? No left? There's still some people left at the Guardian, are there? Oh, oh, they're all leaving by the bucket loads, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Constantine, what about you? Because you've got a family. So, are you? Have you got all your bubble people with you? I don't have a family. It's just me and my wife. Um, oh, okay. And uh, as I said, my birthday is on Christmas Day, so we will literally be celebrating it exactly the same way we always celebrate my birthday, which is with, with the two of us and absolutely no one else. Oh, right. That's actually quite romantic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Unless you, want, unless you want to have friends around, which in which case it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, got, um, uh, yeah. I mean, have we got any more tweets left? Yeah, have we, one last done this? nice visual gag to, to uh, get buckers on a high down. But I get up again. <laughs> I just love this again. Like yeah, this, I like this. Should have Twitter. I get locked down. Wake up again. That just cheered <laughs> me up. This no relies way. on people remembering the Chumba Wumba hit. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the anarchist meets top of the pops. What was that about? Wow. <laughs> Quite, yeah, and we should do a poll who remembers Chumble. If anyone remembers Chumble Wamba, please reassure us in the chat box that we're like we're not too old or something. I have no idea. It's a good, that's a good one. I've seen that. Um, I think somebody else retweeted that as well. I nearly picked that one out myself, so I'm glad you did. Classic. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.